When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. A couple of uh, people have brought it up here. Yes, giant season's over, which means starting next Saturday, Dave is going to sleep in. He's going to get some rest. He's going to go into hibernation for the offseason, which is well-deserved. And I'm going to slide in and do his show uh, the rest of the way here on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. So we'll look forward to that. We'll have some fun. I'll also pop up here on the Sunday mornings over the next couple of weeks till football season's over. Um, and then, you know, we'll be hopefully in and out of our usual spot on uh, weeknights at 7 o'clock when the Knicks and Rangers are nice enough to permit. I think next week, if I'm not mistaken, because the – Hockey is going to be on the All-Star break. Rangers are going to have their like little buy, mini buy thing carrying right into the All-Star break. We're going to have a few shows, I think, next week at 7 o'clock, like our normal show. So uh, check your local listings, as they say. Uh, let's go back to the phone. Say hi to our pal Artie in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7. Art, good afternoon, pal. How are you? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. Listen, up, if buddy? you ask Salah, yeah. did, did he uh, – did he was he for the firing of the offensive coordinator? You give him. I know we can't answer it, but what what do you think he'll say? Um, if I, if you asked Robert Sala, was he all in on the firing yeah. of Mike Lafleur? Yeah. I would say there's a person in the organization who signs the checks, and Robert Sala is not that guy. Right. But he's he was used as the scapegoat, not by Salah, but by the owner. The owner gave out like an increase to all us fans, and we were irate about something. We wanted something done, and the first one is the offensive coordinator. Right? They got their they got their pound of flesh. How about that? Right. Okay. Here's, here's I mean, the, I mean, okay. hey, and look, Art, look. Do, do I think that there were things conspiring against Mike LaFleur? Absolutely. And I know that it's not about excuses and making excuses, but the reality of the situation is if you have three quarterbacks that start, which the Jets had this year, they had three quarterbacks start a minimum of four games. That's unheard of in the NFL. So if you have a revolving door at the most important position, you know, your offensive line was banged up and you had guys playing hurt all year, so on and right. so forth, and the offense sputters down the stretch like it did. I mean, you go three games without scoring a touchdown. Unfortunately, despite those other things, somebody's going to have to answer for that, and for Mike LaFleur, it was him. Okay, and, the, and, and then you ask the question, why would somebody take this job when, mm -hmm. there's, other, when there's other things? And, and let me tell you, if I'm the owner, and I saw that. What if I did what I, you know, fired the offensive coordinator? My next move, just like the 49ers back in the day, they had Holmgren as the offensive coordinator, and they didn't want him to let him go. You offer him a lot of money, a coach's money, mm -hmm. to be the offensive coordinator, and then hopefully this guy Reich could look at the crystal ball and say two things: 
I could either do a great job with this team, right, and then go get a head coaching job the next year, or, like you said, Jets don't do well, and I'm the head coach for the Jets. That's the way I would play it. First, I called, I, I, I talked to your producer, and I said, I want Aaron Rodgers at least make the call. But mm. now I'm thinking that's really unrealistic. You still got to make the call unrealistic. Getting Derek Carr and the and whoever Ira said is fine if that if that's the way to go. But my move, my play is mm. to get right here. He's he was their head coach. He could work. He could try to develop um, um, Zach. That's the other thing too. I think the whole big thing was Lafleur. Zach is not Lafleur's guy. He's not. He's look how well the offensive ran with a guy like a backup uh, Mike White. Well, 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 well here, here, Artie, here's the thing real quick, yeah. and I'll let you finish. He wasn't – agree. Zach Wilson, the offense, did not run the best while he was piloting the offense. That's 100%. But you can't say that Zach is not LaFleur's guy because they all were in agreement to draft Zach to make Zach their guy. So the question that had to be answered was why – did it not work for Zach under the floor? And that's why the Jets are looking for a new offensive coordinator. They're not punting the quarterback to the curb. Here's the other thing, too, okay? Yeah. I'm looking at the Giant game, and I still can't believe this guy, Hurts, was drafted in the second round. Mm-hmm. And now you draft the kid in the second pick. You tell me, Dan. I'm thinking that they think that this kid was Mahomes or Rodgers. What made them think to draft the number two and what's Salah know about? I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach. Who made that final decision? It had to be Douglas's decision. I think they just went bad on the offensive coordinator. That's that's just my opinion. Who are they going to bring in here to develop Zach? That's the move. You're gonna, there's a lot Zach of things. Enough? You tell uh, me. Art, there's a lot of things at play, and I thank you for the phone call. Here's, here's how I'll, I'll, I'll answer that first question that you asked about why was he taken second overall. Show of hands right now. Do you think the San Francisco 49ers are a well-run organization? Do you think that the 49ers are competent in what they're doing? Show of hands right now. Let me see them. Yes? They, 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 they got a game today, right? They're on an 11-game winning streak right now. They're, they're about to go to the NFC Championship game with the guy who was picked last in the NFL draft this year at quarterback, and they've won 11 straight games, even with him. All right, so we understand that they know what they're doing, right? Okay. If the Jets didn't take Zach Wilson, number two, the Niners would have gobbled him up at number three. I have that on good authority. So much so, the Niners were trying to trade up. Remember? Niners were trying to trade up to where the Jets were at number two to get Zach Wilson. So it's not like the Jets are the only fools out there that took Zach Wilson and nobody else in the NFL thought he was any good. No, the Niners, who we all universally agree are one of the more well-run organizations in the sport, they would have taken him himself if not for the Jets. So, and remember, they took Trey Lance, who they gave up an arm and a leg for to trade up to number three to get, and now they're almost going to the NFC Championship game and they've won 11 in a row with a quarterback who's not Trey Lance. So then you could say, well, wait a sec, why did you trade all those picks and move up to get a guy who you're still winning even without? It's an inexact science, this NFL and this sports thing. Some guys develop at a different rate. Some guys are better fits for different systems, for better organizations. 
That's why scheme and fit, and I know that it's a throwaway expression, but it really holds true, and I'm a big proponent of this. A lot of times in sports, it's right place, right time. It really and truly is. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, they always bring, and, and I'm sure it's gonna, you're going to read the stories again next year. Patrick Mahomes, and I say you're going to read him next year because the Jets are playing the Kansas City Chiefs next year at some point on the schedule, but that's one of the teams they play. I guarantee you the week of the Chiefs game, whenever it is, people are going to be writing stories about how Patrick Mahomes could have been a Jet, blah, 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 blah. Whatever year that was, 2017 in the draft. Like, Patrick Mahomes came into a visit to Florham Park, and the Jets really liked him, and they were high on him, and blah, 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 blah. But Kansas City traded up and got him. Jets didn't get a chance, blah, 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 all these things. But when I say right place, right time, given the way the Jets were at that place in time, do you think Patrick Mahomes would have become Patrick Mahomes, let's say, if the Jets drafted him in 2017? I don't think we'd be talking about a guy who would blossom into the MVP of the league in those circumstances. When there was still a lack of talent around him, structure, all all these things. I mean, I don't have to tell you. He went to a perfect situation which was able to bring out the talents that he had. Scheme was a perfect fit. He was coached great, all those things. And now you're talking about one of the all-time greats. You know, the Brock Purdy story. If Brock Purdy was the guy who stepped in you know, for the Jets down the, down the stretch here at the end of the season in offense, would Brock Purdy be having the same success with the Jets in the final month of the season that he's having with San Francisco? I don't know the answer to that, to that question. I would say probably not because from top to bottom, San Francisco, the better football team than the Jets were. 800-919-3776. It's a good conversation. We'll keep it going. And like I said, plus you'll hear fresh sound from the Giants from locker room clean-out this morning in East Rutherford. We go to the top of the hour. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Dan Gross, the show we're taking until the top of the hour right here on uh, 98.7. And as far as, you know, time frame looks, I mean, not that anything is set in stone, but general rules of recommendation for when you would like to have an important position like an offensive coordinator in place. Senior bowls in two weeks, guys. The week between the week, 
you know, between Super Bowl and conference championships down in Mobile, Alabama. The whole NFL world goes down there. So if you're evaluating prospects that are in consideration to be drafted come April, you would like to think your offensive coordinator would be one of the guys down there and also have an input in evaluating some of these guys up close and personal, meeting with them. So time frame, yeah, in, in the next week or so, you'd probably like to have this job nailed down. And, oh, by the way, guess what? There's another name that looks like he's getting an interview here because according to the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Jets have requested permission to interview Bill's quarterback coach, Joe Brady. No relation to Tom. He's got a game this afternoon, as we know. He'll be a little bit busy. Remember Joe Brady? Name might ring a bell for some of you. He was the apple of everybody's eye back in 2019 when he was the offensive coordinator for LSU under Ed Orgeron when they had that juggernaut team led by uh, Joe Burrow and they won the national championship. And then he became a hot commodity in the coaching ranks. And remember, the Carolina Panthers hired him to be their offensive coordinator under Matt Rule. And Joe Brady got fired before the second season was even through. And now he's up at Buffalo this year as the quarterback coach working under Ken, Dur Ken Dorsey, who's the OC. So, I, I mean, the Jets are literally, they said they were going to cast a wide net. It's been a pretty damn wide net. I would say so. Oh, what can you do? Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next. Jose, how we doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I was kind of just laughing because I think some of your points are a little outlandish with with with, with, what, with what you were saying. Um, how so, Jose? I, Tell us how they're outlandish. Uh, I, I I I I hate to I hate to be that guy, but um, I, I I was one of those guys that just thought Zach Wilson was just not going to be the person that everyone was trying to say he was. Well, you're that, that, draft, that's not and, you're not alone. So, so what was and, I saying that was outlandish, though? Uh, the thing where the Niners were trying to trade up to two and get him, or other teams were really try or were really high. Well, on I mean, him. The, the Niners were trying to trade up. So, so again, tell me how that's they were outlandish. Trying to trade, they were trying to trade up, but they were not trading up to get Zach Wilson. They, okay. Do you know? Do you know that on good authority, Jose? Are you more piped into the NFL than I am, and to the Jets I specifically? Oh, I think I, 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 it is very, it is, it has shown very clearly that the reason that everyone's scratching their head is because. No, 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 Jose, answer, they, answer the question I asked you, though. Are you more keyed into the NFL and the Jets specifically than I am, for example, that you would have that information and I wouldn't? I think that there are other people that are more keen in that have commented on this situation than you are. Okay, the, the, that and, might uh, be your opinion, but I could tell you you're wrong. And, and, and look, it's not going to be any, any shine off of my day, whether you oh, no, think I, so or not, I, I but that's that. fine. At the, end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I know what it is. You're, you're doing a job, and I get, I get it. Right. But um, another thing was, was Patrick Mahomes. Um, I saw him play a lot in college, and he was spectacular there in Texas Tech. And I remember that year with the Jets in the draft. They could have mm -hmm. drafted him. If everyone remembers, that was the year that they drafted uh, Jamal Adams. And then they dropped and then they went and followed it up with drafting Marcus May. And that was a year that they could have drafted either Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. And even though Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have been as pinpoint accurate as he was with Andy Reid in his second year developing under Alex Smith, 
the talent still would have been there where we would have been saying, wow, this kid is amazing. And somebody would have, a, a great coach would have been like, would, would have definitely hitched his wagons around him. I, I think he would have been that, that great. So but you got well, Jose, you got to remember one thing, though, at that time, and I thank you for the phone call. The head coach at the time then, who I like personally, by the way, okay, the head coach at that time, he couldn't win this year with the GOAT as his quarterback. Okay? With a roster in Tampa Bay this year that was still a hell of a lot more talented than the one that the Jets had in 2017. So if 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 they if Todd Bowles couldn't get it done in Tampa this year with Tom Brady and company, you really think that a, a young Patrick Mahomes, who by the way, would have probably been thrown into the fire right off the bat, as opposed to sitting and watching and waiting that he had the luxury to do in Kansas City because he had Alex Smith there and Mahomes sat for that whole first season except for that last game of the year. I don't know if it would have turned out the same. I'm not saying he would have been a complete bust, but Patrick Mahomes stumbled into the perfect situation. Kansas City, another one of those organizations that knows what the hell they're doing. Think about this for a second. Kansas City, they are in the AFC Championship game for the fifth consecutive year. You know how hard that is to do? Like, that, that's, that, that's remarkable. In a situation, in a sport that thrives on parity and prides itself on parity, five straight years you're in the conference championship game. That's good living if you're a Chiefs fan. It really and truly is. And Andy Reid, now think about it, he, he, he has been a head coach in multiple stops for a decade plus. That's good living if you could get it. It really and truly is. Dan's in Howard Beach. He's up next. Danny, how are you? Dan, what's going on, man? Thank you so much Daniel. for taking my phone call. I, I have a, um, an opinion and a quick request. First thing, opinion as far as the Jets go, I think Derek Carr makes the most sense. Um, I just look at him as a Matthew Stafford 2.0, uh, where he just thrived where he was. He gave it everything that he had, but unfortunately the surroundings weren't there. Yes, he had Devontae Adams, definitely a great wide receiver, but again, Kind of lost a step there, but you got a quarterback there in his 30s, and nowadays those are like kind of like in your prime. Uh, you bring him into the right system, playmakers. Obviously, we have to look for the, the actual offensive coordinator for the system, which he might fit in. I think he would do amazing here. Uh, and as far as my request, Dan, mm. we, me, my friend Joe and I, we've been following you since day one. Huge Jets fans. Uh, my friend Joe is an NYPD officer. I'm a a healthcare worker for over 20 years. Um, ever since you took over Don LaGreca, we, we never missed a pregame and postgame. You're so good at your craft. You are so well articulated. Well, we apparently would love not. To ask, have you Co- on. Ask, ask Jose. Apparently no, there's no, a lot no, to be no, no, desired no. there. Uh, absolutely not. No, I, <laughs> I completely go against Jose. But, like, I, 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 just, I just retweeted you. Um, I, I would love – for someone of your caliber that, that I can interview on our podcast. Um, I, hopefully you could, you know, you could think about it. I retweeted you. It's called Jets Turbulence. We love what you do. Keep doing what you're doing. Us Jets fans, Jets Nation, adore you. Keep it up, Dan. I hope you could find some time just to spend 15 minutes with us. We love to pick your brain. Go Jets. Go Jets Nation. Let's get our quarterback and let's get that Lombardi, baby. It's Dan, Dan, you know what? Dan, let me, Dan, let me, guys, put Dan on hold. Dan, give uh, uh, Joe or Tom your, uh, your information, your email, your contact, whatever, and we'll try to set something up and we'll try to make it happen. How's that?
I guess he's on hold already. We'll make that happen for you. Appreciate that. Very, very kind. Uh, let's say hi to Paul in Queens. He's up next here on 98.7. Paulie, how we doing? Dan, 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 how are you? Paul, talk so, to Dan, me. How's things? Listen, li- listen, listen, listen. I've been watching this team a long time, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Let's look at the perception and the reality of this team. And, you're, and the, the, the previous caller, you're very informative, you know, Jeff personnel that I've been following since even when Brandon Tierney Used to do the, uh, the you know, the the post-game shows a long time ago. Even Freeman McNeil back then. Dan, you lose. Look at the standard in the NFL. You lose six in a row. It's on the coach and the organization. Hey, Jets fans, Joe Douglas, as long as he's here, is not trading any picks to get any guys he wants a free agent. And I'll tell you why. Because what's Joe Douglas' philosophy? Build a team. Hey, you're 30 years old. All right, you know what? I gotta, I gotta back up. I got a safety who's younger than you now. As long as he's here, that's what he's gonna do. So he's gonna be either Derek Carr as a free agent or Garoppolo. The problem is this: look at the pattern of this organization, Dan. Todd Bowles, he got rid of his one of his coordinators. What happened the next year? He got fired. I, you know, this is a vital, you know, a vital, vital gut-wrenching and nervous thing among all our Jet fans out there. Look at the passion in their calls. Why we see a team like the Giants, who have half our talent. But guess what? Dayball, Martindale, they were, they were in the Jet offices. It goes back when John Lynch came to play for the Jets, I remember. And he left. And the guy from the linebacker in Minnesota left. It's the organization. Dan, you know what the best thing to do is? The best thing to do is this. Just like years ago, all Jeff fans may may ban us to get rid of Isaac. You know what? Let's beg Stevie Cohen to buy the Jets because it's all about organization. As long as this organization is there, as like you said previously, look at the San Francisco 49ers. They got the seventh round pick. Look at their organization. Yeah, look at their organization. Look at KC. It's all about organization. Otherwise, every year at this time, Dan Gross is going to be talking about the, the next year, and all Jeff fans are going to be looking at and Googling on the phone. NFL mock draft, NFL mock draft. Anyway, Dan, I appreciate it. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Paul, be good. Hey, better days are on the horizon, okay? I know that it stinks right now, and you got a big question that needs to be answered right now with the OC, but there is a foundation. But there's a couple of pieces that still need to be filled out. We know that, i.e., who's the quarterback going to be? Who's the play caller going to be? And hopefully you get an answer to that question certainly with the play caller, in the next week or so. 800-919-3776, we come back. We'll talk about today's games, and you also hear from the Giants a little bit from Baggy Day in East Rutherford. Dan Gross until the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Giants uh, cleaning out their lockers in East Rutherford today as we speak, and some guys have already met the media and spoken. One of the names, certainly, that's going to be a big topic of conversation in the offseason. That would be Saquon Barkley. He's a free agent. He was asked what type of contract he's going to be looking for. I'm not really too concerned about recent any markets or anything like that. I'm realistic. I know where I was on 
you know, pace to do, but having two years of filled up with injuries and, you know, having a season of not performing to the level that I know I can perform doesn't help. I think I was able to show that the type of caliber of player I am, the things I'm able to do on a football field, that was something I, that's something I wanted to do. That was my goal this year, and I was able to accomplish that. Now it's just sit down when my agent came and see what um, Leonard Williams is another guy who, look, we know he battled some injuries. You know, he still wasn't even 100% at the end with that neck. Didn't have as impactful a season as maybe we've seen from him in a giant uniform, certainly as he was a couple of years ago. Uh, and he got himself the big contract extension. However, it's a bottom line business. It's a production-based business. Leonard Williams counts against the salary cap next year, $32 million. And he's not a quarterback. And he's not Aaron Donald, if you're talking about a defensive line. Hell, he's not even Quinnen Williams. But $32 million is a nice chunk of change. Now, if the Giants, let's say, decide to move on from Leonard Williams, cap cut, all those type of things, they'd save themselves, I think, $12.5 million in terms of salary cap relief, but he would still count $20 million in terms of dead cap for next year, dead money on the salary cap. So it's still going to be sizable one way or the other. So Leonard Williams was asked, what about the conversation or the subject of a pay cut? Is that something that he would look to maybe entertain in the offseason? It's something I haven't thought about yet, so it's like hard to answer uh, right away. It's probably something I would have to talk to my agent, something I would have to see like how they're feeling upstairs and all that type of stuff. But I haven't really thought about it yet, and you know, I'm considering all possibilities. Here's the thing. Like I said, he's a good player. He played through some stuff this year. He grinded it out. And Leonard Williams is a good dude. You know, I I knew him from, you know, when he was a Jet, good dude, good player. But if you only play in 12 games and you get two and a half sacks, you know, those aren't numbers that jump off the page, and those certainly aren't numbers that warrant a $32 million hit against the cap for 2023. And this is a Giants team, remember, that's going to be digging out from some cap woes that, Joe Shane's predecessor got them in. So they're going to try to get as much flexibility and maneuverability with the cap as possible this year. And yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out that that's probably one of the areas when you're looking at this roster that Joe Shane and company are going to try to see if they can maybe shed some dollars off of the pay, uh, the payroll for next year. Is Leonard Williams willing to play ball? And is he willing to take a haircut? Don't know. And don't know what they're going to be able to figure out. What you do is, in these type of situations, you have a couple of options. You renegotiate the contract, you know, or you rip it up, and then you sign him to a new type of deal, or you spread some of that signing bonus money or, you know, spread it out a little bit to minimize the cap cuts to kind of keep, as the expression goes, kicking the can down the road that eventually you're going to have to pay the piper, and eventually it's going to be an albatross on your cap, but maybe you're not going to have it up front as far as 2023 is concerned. Because you got the most important position on your team, that would be the quarterback, who needs to get paid. And in a perfect world, you'd like to be able to sign him long-term, so it's not going to be a sizable next year that, let's say, if you franchise him, But what's going to happen with Daniel Jones? We know that he doesn't exactly have the gift of gab. We know that he doesn't necessarily talk a hell of a lot about contract and that type of things. But he was asked about those prospects earlier today. You know, I'd I'd love to be back, but, you know, we'll see. And and there's a business side of it, too. So, you know, very grateful to to be here and, and be a part of it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get into a lot as it is. So those are really the big points as far as, you know, the key matters as far as contracts concern with the Giants going into next season. And there's going to be decisions to be made. You know, it's as simple as that. You would you love in a perfect world, you'd love to be able to keep everybody. But there's rules you have to play by, and you just can't. Now, as far as the two games go this afternoon, Cincinnati-Buffalo, and as I said earlier, I'm rooting like hell for the Cincinnati Bengals. I do not want any part of a neutral site championship game. That game should be played at the team with the better record stadium. And if the Bengals win the game, that's going to be at Arrowhead, where the Chiefs play as the best team, and you're going to get a rematch of last year's AFC championship game. I think the Bengals... I think they win the game today. I got a feeling they win the game. I have faith in them on the road. You know that they had no problems winning big games on the road last year in the playoffs. And you know what? If you're sitting there making me choose between the two quarterbacks, which guy would I rather have for the next 10 years? It's Joe Burrow. And everybody was ready to anoint Josh Allen, you know, before the season started. This is an MVP. Josh Allen did not have a great year. Didn't have a bad year, but he didn't have a great year. Way too turnover prone, especially in big spots. And you want to point to the fact that Brian Dayball was no longer there this year and he was coaching the Giants. Did that have something to do with it? Maybe. You know? I mean, we saw how much of an influence and how much of a factor Brian Dayball was for Daniel Jones this past year. Not having him up there in Buffalo to be with Josh Allen possibly could have played a factor in that as well. I got faith in Burrow on the road. Somebody's got to lose. Both of these teams have been playing great football. Cincinnati's won nine in a row. Bills have won eight in a row. And if you think back to week three, go back to week three. Remember when the Bengals came up to MetLife Stadium to play the Jets? That was when Joe Flacco was still starting at quarterback, and the Bengals were 0-2, desperate team. That was in a tough spot, and, and Cincinnati just blitzed them that day. Jet defense didn't have any answers at all for, for Burrow and company. Bengals are 13-2 since that game. 13-2. The thing that worries you about Cincinnati, though, is that those injuries to the offensive line. They're going to be without a couple of starters today, but this is a team that went all the way to the Super Bowl last year with a banged-up offensive line. So it's like they've been down this road before, and the Bills were very, very shaky last week against Miami. If the Bills played that same type game last week that they did against the Dolphins, against, let's say, a team like Cincinnati and a better football team that didn't have a third-string quarterback, Bills would be home right now. Their season would be over. I got more faith in Burrow on the road. Give me the Bengals. He's Joe Cool 2.0. He's unflappable. I think Cincinnati gets themselves a trip back to Kansas City for a rematch there in the AFC Championship game. As far as the late game goes, I'm sure all Giant fans are going to be rooting like hell for San Francisco today. Niners have won 11 in a row. In Brock Purdy, we trust. I can't see the Cowboys going in there and winning this game. I, I, I just can't. Um, I didn't think they'd beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but silly me. I mean, that was an awful game. And thank God, you know, I, I even brought this up last Monday night when we were watching that disaster down in Tampa Bay. Thank God. If you don't have a dog in the fight, if you just like watching good, important playoff football games, thank goodness that the Cowboys beat the Bucks last Monday night because could you imagine that Tampa Bay team if they had to go cross-country and play the 49ers? If you thought Monday night's game was bad, hell, if you thought Eagles-Giants was bad last night, 
That old, beat-up, battered Tampa Bay team going against San Francisco today, that game might have been 60-7. to So at least you're going to get yourself maybe a more competitive contest with Dallas going in there. But a Dallas team that didn't win a road playoff game for 30 years, I can't see them making it back-to-back weeks. San Francisco, top to bottom, I think is the best team in the conference. And they're going to get themselves a trip to Philadelphia next week for the NFC Championship game. That's how I see this thing playing out. But these should be two great football games today. You know, that's why the, the powers that be with the NFL and the television brokers and everything, that's why they scheduled these two games for Sunday. Because these should be the main events here for the weekend and hopefully they're going to be worth watching here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll close it out with you guys on the phones when we come back. Dan Gross until the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> a lot of football today, as you would expect. Giant season comes to an end. But again, a lot to be proud of, really and truthfully. Um, it didn't end the way you wanted it to. You know, it's going to take a while maybe to get that taste out of your mouth, but all in all, an extremely successful season. If you would have told any Giant fan back in the summertime that fast forward to January and on divisional playoff weekend, you would get the Saturday night primetime game, regardless of who it was against. But when the game kicked off, you would be one of seven teams still alive and still with a pulse to win the championship. I mean, every Giant fan would have given their arm for that to happen and that's why it's important not to lose sight of those things even though the game played out ugly and you know what you use that as motivation for next year I think it was a nice wake I don't want to use it a wake-up call because I think that within the organization they know the road ahead of them but maybe it's a wake-up call for fans that despite everything that they achieved this year there's still work to be done and there is a talent deficiency between the Giants and the truly elite teams and not just the NFC but in the entire National Football League. Let's say hi to Buddha in the Bronx, our good buddy. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Bud, what's going on? Hey, Dan, how you doing, man? Listen, that last caller you had, Paul, yeah. that's the call of the day right there, baby. I mean, <laughs> he, he hit on all the salient points. And I'm not even going to belabor the fact of trying to repeat any of it because, I mean, the only thing I'll say is the one that he hit on that I love even more than all of them was the fact of the dopes who paid for some flyers a bandit to go over the field told my fire Idzik when the owner's the one who brought him in here to to get the cat right. He was never really gonna last as a GM. But anyway, you know, when you're looking at Salah You're right. And you're right. You, let's let's be for real. When, when you're looking at Salah and you, you're talking about the offensive coordinator, I heard Ira when he talked to you earlier and he said um Salah wouldn't hire Frank Wright because he'd take his job. Uh newsflash Ira. Uh, if Rob Salah was making that decision of who the coordinator was going to be unilaterally, Mike LaFleur would still be here. That decision is way above his head at this point. And um, like you said earlier, the stuff you're talking about in terms of finding a, a good OC and the impediments that it just happened to them, they're all real. But, you know, what, what, what happens here is I've come to the understanding, the realization, when I look at this regime here, they can bring in – Garoppolo is probably going to be the guy. You know, all points lead to there. They can bring in a guy, and they can actually, you know, get to a wild card, possibly win a wild card game. But I think that's the apex of what's going to happen here, and that's for two reasons. First reason is and, – and I don't mean to take shots at Sal. I think Sal's a really good man and a, and, and a gentleman and a nice guy. When I look at these coaches that are in this weekend here, 
Even Mike McCarthy, everybody wants to talk about how, you know, he's a dope and this, that, and that. Listen, these guys are better coaches than Salah. So that's a, that's going to be a, 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 a trial and tribulation for the Jets to get to that level in the time frame that he has left as a coach. Well, he's only, he's only in but his besides, second year, to be fair, too, Buddha. You know that. No, no. What I'm saying is I don't think – this is why I said that in the beginning. I don't think he's a bad guy, and I don't think he doesn't have the potential to be a good coach. I just don't think he's going to get the time frame that you don't get the time frame you used to get for coaches. I don't think he's going to get that, that, that longevity. But besides that, and, and this is the real stickler, and when you said brighter days are coming for the Jets, mm-hmm. now it, there's a different level of brightness. There's a brightness where you become like the Minnesota Vikings, where, you know, you make the playoffs every other year here and there, but you're really no threat to win it all. For the Jets to really, really get over that hump, it's not going to be getting some rental quarterback. It's not going to get some older guy coming in here on his last year. I mean, that Tampa Bay thing, that was a one-off. Aaron Rodgers is not coming here. I don't think Lamar Jackson is coming here. And I don't even know if either one of those guys would be the true solution. The Jets are going to have to get to a point, and it's going to go back to the owner. You're going to have to, at some point, hire somebody, know that this person has done this before and is capable of building an organization up to being a Super Bowl competitive level, and then you're going to have to butt out. If those things don't happen, the trajectory for the Jets is going to plateau, like I said, at wild card weekend or maybe getting to the division around. It just is, bro. Buddha, look, uh, it's, it's an important offseason, and thank you for the phone call. It's an important offseason because you have two questions that need to be answered apart from the rest, and they're in important, situ- important positions, one being the quarterback and two being the play caller. As far as Salah's concerned, when I said he's two years in, he is. But there's also other coaches, including a guy who's coaching today, as a matter of fact. You know, you, you mentioned Mike McCarthy. There's another guy who's coaching today who after two years, I was on the air, not on this station, but I was on the airwaves openly questioning, A, why the hell is this guy a head coach? And B, how much longer is he even going to last? And why was he even hired in the first place? And this is a coach that before he got his quarterback, his record was 6-25 and in the first two seasons. And that's Zach Taylor with Cincinnati. Six and 25. Now remember, in his second year with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow got hurt midway through the season when he was a rookie. So he didn't really have him. But he didn't show any sort of semblance as being a guy that was going to be a winning head coach. And this is a guy last year who took a team to a Super Bowl. And he has them right now a win away from the AFC Championship game again because he got a quarterback. Because he's got an elite player at the most important position of the sport. But nobody's sitting here saying that Zach Taylor's some genius or anything like that. No, he's got a real good quarterback at the most important position. And I don't, I'm not saying that the Jets were a Super Bowl team this year, but I will repeat what I've been saying. And maybe this doesn't count for anything in your people's minds. But it's important because I think that it alters the perception of where the franchise is at. If Mike White's ribs did not crumble like a crushed bag of Cheerios up in Buffalo that afternoon in December, and he stays on the field and doesn't get hurt, the Jets make the playoffs because they find a way to win a couple more games the rest of the season if Mike White is healthy. 
Fast forward to the end of the season. Jets were the playoff team. I don't know if they win a game or not, but they were a playoff team. Are they getting a new play caller? Is Michael LaFleur still the offensive coordinator? So these are some of the questions that maybe we're not entertaining at this point during the offseason because maybe the offense doesn't sputter the rest of the way down the stretch. That being said, you still probably would have to satisfy the position of quarterback. Now, you brought up Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that I think his was a name that we talked about as being like a surefire, seamless fit, because why? At the time when we were saying this all last year, Mike LaFleur was the offensive coordinator. Mike LaFleur came from San Francisco. He ran that Shanahan offense, so it was essentially a plug-and-play type thing. You got the system. Here's the quarterback who has experience in it. Boom, you plug him in. Now that you're not even promised to run that offense anymore because Robert Sala said they're not married to it, that they're going to hire an offensive coordinator and they're going to use his system, whatever he's most comfortable with, which may or may not be that Shanahan West Coast offense. If that's the case... Is Jimmy Garoppolo really the perfect fit for it then? Is he maybe as perfect a candidate as you thought that he was during the season when it looked like he would just be somebody to continue to shepherd this offense? That's why we got to find out who the play caller is going to be before we talk about who the best fit for it is a quarterback. Either way, these are questions that need answering. And at least in terms of the offensive coordinator, you'd like an answer in the next couple of weeks. And there's a lot of competition because there's nine other teams that need offensive coordinators. That's it for us today. Want to thank Joe Leo and Tom Bauer. Ty Butler's coming up next. I'll talk to you soon, everybody. Dan Gross is saying enjoy your football today here on 98.7 ESPN.